So, Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for every person here in the auditorium. And thank you for every person that's joined us on YouTube. Father, I thank you, as, as Curtis shared in the offering about the parable of the sower, I thank you that today, Lord, that hearts will be open, that hearts will be receptive, that will not allow distraction, will not allow the cares of this world, that will not allow those things to choke the word or to steal the word, but I thank you that the word will be planted into good ground today, and we thank you that it will produce fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, we agree and we thank you for it. And everyone that agreed said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24. It says, And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth a cob of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Say, what were they selling donkey's head and dove's droppings for? They were selling it for food. That's, what, that's the only thing that people had left to eat. There was a, because of the uh, Syrian army besieging Samaria. Now, Samaria was the capital of the kingdom of Israel after the kingdoms of Judah and Israel had divided. And this was during the time when, um, when Ahab was the, was the king. And so uh, things were bad. Uh, a, a donkey's head was 80 shekels of silver, uh, a fourth a cob of dove. People were eating donkey's head and dove droppings. That's all they had to eat, uh, if they could even find that. But it gets worse than that. I've debated on whether even to share this, but, uh, but we will. Verse 26 Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the winepress? Then, in other words, he said, You know, don't ask me for help. There's There's no food here. I can't help you. I'm sorry, I can't help you. And then he says, What's troubling you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she's hidden her son. Now it happened when the king heard these, the words of the woman that he tore his clothes and as he passed by on the wall, the people looked And there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do so to me and more also. If the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. So this is horrific. This is shocking that people would do such a thing as to eat their own children. They were were so desperate. The famine was so bad and their situation was so desperate that they resorted to that. But notice here that King Ahab tries to pin the blame not on himself, not on the people for their sin, but on who? On the man of God, on the prophet Elisha. He said, I'm going I'm to kill Elisha for this. Oh, it's all his fault. Well, was it? Was it the fault of the prophet of God? Was it Elisha's fault? Was it God's fault? Why was this happening to the kingdom of Israel? Why was this happening to the people of Samaria? The Bible tells us exactly why it was happening. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. 
But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. This is the beginning of what we know as the curse of the law being enumerated. And so he says, if you don't follow God, if you turn away from following him and walking with him, then these curses are going to come on you. And we'll skip forward to verse 52. And and Moses, hundreds of years before, told them exactly what uh, what they were going to experience and what they were experiencing that day in Samaria. Verse 52. They shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust Come down throughout all your land, and they shall besiege you at your gates throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you, in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you. And so God had already told them that if you walk away from following me, then things will get so bad because the curse is out there, because the devil is out there, things will get so bad in your life and in your situation that you'll even begin to eat your own children. And that, what, that prophecy was fulfilled, that word was fulfilled in that day in Samaria, and it was such a dreadful and horrific situation that was going on. And yet, in his mercy, in his mercy, God had a plan to deliver the people out of this awful situation. Prophet of God, the prophet Elisha steps up in chapter 7 and verse 1. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So God was going to turn it around and he was going to turn it around in 24 hours And he was going to turn it around in such a fashion that they would have an abundance of food and it would be at a reasonable price. Now, you think that we're experiencing inflation now, right? Let me give you some some numbers where you can relate. A quarter that says a, a fourth of a cob of dove droppings was being sold for five shekels. Well, a fourth of a cob, a cob was about uh, half a gallon, two quarts. So a fourth of a cob, if you divide that out, would be about a pint. 16 ounces of dry measure, what we, what we know. 16 ounces of dove droppings that they were eating. A pint of dove droppings. You had to pay five shekels for that. Here the prophet of God, Elisha, steps up and he says, tomorrow you're going to be able to buy a seah, which was about a quart, all right? You're going to just double that. You're going to be able to buy a, a, a quart of fine flour, not for five shekels, but for one shekel. Forget paying 80 shekels for a donkey's head. You're going to have a sea, a quart of fine flour for one shekel, and you can buy two quarts, two seahs of barley for one shekel. So things are going to turn around. Inflation was going to be gone, and, and it was, God was going to do it in 24 hours. There was an officer of the king, who heard Elisha prophesying, he said, it's impossible if God made windows in heaven, could this happen? Elisha looked at him and he said, well, you're going to see it happen, but you won't partake of it. And, 
and that's not the point of our message today, but that in fact happened. But how was God going to do this? What was, what was going to, uh, how was he going to turn things around? Uh, he had, a, he had an, uh, the most amazing plan, maybe one of the most amazing miracles in the Bible. Verse 3, let's, let's pick it up there. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. They're sitting outside the gate of Samaria. They can't go in because they've got leprosy. The enemy is surrounding them. And uh, I mean, they're, in, they're starving as well. They can't get there and get any food. They're, you know, they've got this dreadful disease they're dying with, leprosy. And it, and it says, they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we enter the city, the famine is in the city and we'll die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. So an idea from God, they don't know it's from God, but an idea comes into their mind from God. Let's just go and surrender to the enemy. And I mean, the worst thing that can happen is they'll kill us and put us out of our misery. Uh, Best case scenario, they might give us food to eat. And we'll keep living. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Verse 5, and they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused. What? The Lord had caused. What did the Lord cause? The Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. I hope we get to see a movie of this when we get to heaven. Can you just imagine? Imagine a hill right here, right here, and on this side of the hill, these four lepers are, li- are limping up the hill, and over on this side of the hill is the Syrian army camped out, and as these four lepers are coming across the hill, what it sounds like to the Syrian army is chariots and horses and multiple armies. Isn't God cool? What he can do. Hallelujah. Oh no, they said, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to attack us. Verse 7, therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses and their donkeys and their food, by the way, and their silver and gold, by the way. And they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. So here they are. They they plunder the camp of the Syrians. They've got all the food that they can, more than they can eat. They've got clothing more than they can wear. They've got silver and gold. All this stuff that they've come upon Because the Lord worked. Because the Lord caused the Syrians to hear this sound and they fled and just left everything. Hallelujah. This shows us the unlimited potential of what God can do. Let's don't limit God. Man, he can turn things around in our situations, in our nation, in your life, in in one moment. He's got unlimited means. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Verse 9, though, they come to the realization. Look at this. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day 
is a day of good news and we remain silent. All of a sudden, the realization comes to these four lepers. Here we are eating good food until we can hold no more. We've come into possessions of silver and gold and clothing and, and they thought about their kinsmen, the people of Samaria, back in the city, back in Samaria, starving, eating donkey's head and dove's droppings, and even worse, resorting to eating, killing and eating their own children. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't hide this. We can't keep it to ourselves. This is a day of good news. Look at what we found. Look at what we found. It's a day of good news. And we're not doing right if we remain silent. Amen. So they go back to Samaria. They inform the gatekeepers at, at Samaria. Look, look we, we went to the camp of the Syrians. Uh, the Syrians have all fled. They're, they left all their food. They left all their silver and their gold. Come on, tell, tell everybody. There's plenty for everybody. There's more than we can use. We want everybody to get in on this. Amen. And the gatekeeper goes and reports it to the king. And the king's first, his first thought is it's a trap. It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. He, he said the Syrians have just left. So we'll come in there. Then they're going to ambush us and kill us all. It's a trap. It's too good to be true. But you know, it was true. It was true. And so he sends people, well, let's just, let's send, before we send everybody, before we release this news, let's send some messengers. And so it says in verse 15, so the messengers returned and told the king, that, yeah, it's just like the leper said, it's all there. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a seah, a fine flour was sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. It happened just like, just like Elisha had prophesied. Praise God. And, it, and in 24 hours, the economic conditions of that city uh, was, were, were turned totally around. The people that were starving and dying all of a sudden had an abundance of food. Praise God. Now, there's a powerful truth here for us today in this account from the Old Testament, and that's this. This, for us, those of us who know Jesus, those of us who have come into the kingdom of God, those of us who've come to be, be, be known as children of Almighty God, those of us who've been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a day of good news. And if we remain silent, we're not doing right. We're not doing right. We're like those lepers. We were dying in our sins. We had no hope. But then we heard about Jesus. Amen. We heard about the amazing salvation and forgiveness that Jesus offers us. We received him as our Lord and Savior, and we begin to partake of his blessings. We begin to partake of healing. We begin to partake of prosperity and deliverance and freedom in our lives. Is anybody, is anybody partaking of that? Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the family of God? Isn't it good to be a child of God? Isn't it good to know that your future is secure? Isn't it good to know that your sins are forgiven? Hallelujah, that God's not holding your past against you. Isn't it good to know that you've got a home in heaven? Isn't it good to know that you've got a heavenly Father that watches over you and knows your every need and provides for your every need? Isn't it good to know that you have a healer, a deliverer? 
in Jesus. That's good news. Amen? Hallelujah. But just like those lepers realized, and it's true for us even more so, we can't hide this away. We can't hide this. We can't keep it for our... This is for everybody. I like what the, what the uh, uh, angel said to the shepherds. I think it's the Living Bible. Uh, uh, maybe the message, I think it's the Living Bible, says it this way. When, when they brought the announcement to the shepherds about the, the birth of Jesus, we bring you the most joyful news ever announced, and it's for everybody. It's for everyone. Hallelujah. We've got the most joyful news ever announced. And it's for everybody. It's for everyone. Amen. Hallelujah. There's plenty for everybody. And our family members, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, they may may look like they're doing all right. Some of them. Some you know they're not. Some may look like they're doing all right. But you know what? They're trying to survive on donkey's head and dove droppings. That's what they're trying to survive on. They're under siege, just like the people of Samaria were under siege. They're bound by the enemy, Satan, who's methodically working his plan to steal, kill, and destroy them. But we've got good news. We've got news that's too good not to share. Amen. Amen. So I just want to stir you up this morning. I just want to remind you uh, of what we can do and how we can make sure that this good news that's too good not to share, how how we can do our part to share it. Amen. It's too good to keep it to ourselves. Amen. Praise God. See, and, and... And, you know, you say, well, Pastor, I've tried that. People weren't interested. Well, that's what happened to the lepers. They came back and they said, well, things are so great over here. Uh, We've discovered all this. I think it's a trap. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, the news is true. The truth's going to get out. Just like it did. It got confirmed. The truth we believe is confirmable. Amen. Amen. God confirms his word. Amen? So how can we do that? How can we share this good news? I've got just a few points here as we, as we wrap this up. Number one, I call this the come and see method. The come and see method. John chapter 1, verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? See, Nathanael was a skeptic. And so what did Philip say to that skeptic, Nathanael? Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. see. Just come and see. Amen. Amen. That's, a, that's, a, that's probably the easiest way that we can share the good news with people. Just come and see. Come with me to church. Now, I realize that inviting people to church and leading them to Jesus are two different things, but, but you're, at least you're getting them closer. You're getting them closer. Amen. Come and see. Come and just come to church with me. Come and see. 
well, pastor, we thought, doesn't the church do some advertising? Look, <clears throat> there's a place for advertising, but there's nothing more powerful than a personal invitation. Some, Philip went and found Nathaniel. Philip knew Nathaniel wasn't just some guy walking down the street. It's somebody that Philip knew. And Philip, and Philip was excited. He said, we found, we found the Messiah. We found him in whom of Moses and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. We found him. And, and Philip said, I, I don't know about that. And, and, or Nathaniel said, I don't know about that. And Philip said, well, just come and see. Just come and see. Just come to church with me. Just come to church with me next Sunday. Amen. Invite somebody you know to church. That's how, that's how we can not be silent and share this news that's too good not to share. Amen. Hallelujah. Just come and see. The woman at the well of Samaria did the same thing. John chapter 4. Jesus comes to the woman at Samaria. You know the story. You know, the Bible says she's had five husbands and, and Jesus, told, you know, she came up, Jesus, she came up to draw water. Jesus is there and, uh, and, he's, and, and uh, she says, he said, go call your husband. She said, I don't have one. He said, well, that's yeah, true. You don't have one right now. You've had five and the guy you're living with, you didn't even bother to get married. You kind of gave up on the whole idea by now. So, but he didn't condemn her for that. He's just, just showing her. Amen. In verse 28, the woman then left her water pot, went her way. In fact, before that, Jesus had said, I can give you living water. I can give you living water. Hallelujah. The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, what? Come, see. Amen. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city. And came to him. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the woman, of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. Many of the Samaritans believed because she said, Come and see. Come and see. Hallelujah. Amen. Then they said to the, uh, or, or verse uh, 40, So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then, here's, here's how it's supposed to work. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said. We, have, we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. See, your invitation to invite someone to church to invite someone, hey, come and go see the Jesus Revolution movie with me. Come and see. Invite, invite someone. Amen. And, that, and, and the next thing that happens, that's the first step. And, and, and they're not just coming then because of you or believing just because of it. But now, but now we've encountered him for ourselves. And now we're going to go out and tell others, come and see. Amen. That's how this thing spreads. Amen. So her invitation to come and see produced a great harvest with many people believing on Jesus and said, we know this is the Christ, the Savior of the world, they said. Hallelujah. So number one, let's employ the come and see method. That's easy. And then number two, tell your story. Tell your story. Do you have a story to tell of how God has saved you? of how Jesus has worked in your life, of how he's brought you out of darkness, of how he's brought you out 
of hopelessness, of how he's brought you into a life of purpose? Do you have a story to tell? Amen. The demon-possessed man in, in Mark 5 that Jesus delivered, he was bound, he was cutting himself. We looked at him Wednesday night in the healing service, but he was cutting himself, crying out. He was bound. They would try to bind him with chains. He'd break those chains. He was terribly tormented. Ended up, there was a, there was a, a bunch of demons in him. You know, my, the, the demon answered Jesus when Jesus said, Come out of him, you unclean spirit. The demons answered, My name's Legion, because we're many. And all the demons were cast out. Jesus cast them all out. The man was set free. Verse 15. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Has God done that for you? Has he put you in your right mind? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 18. Jesus getting ready to leave because the people there said, we don't want to have anything to do with you. This is too much for us. Isn't that a sad commentary that they'd rather have kept their demons than have Jesus? And when he got, it's like, okay, I'll leave. No problem. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. He wanted to join Jesus' ministry team. He said, Lord, don't you know that one of your disciples is going to drop out? You're going to need another one? I don't know if he understood that or not. But, uh, but he wanted to join the team, go with Jesus, travel full-time with Jesus. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't God's plan for this man to go into full-time ministry with Jesus' team. But Jesus said, no, you've got a story to tell, though. And you need to go tell your story. You need to go home, and you need to go to your friends, and you need to tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. We can do that. You can tell your story. You can tell others what God has done for you, what Jesus has done for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 20. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Decapolis was a region, uh, Deca, we know that Deca means what, 10, right? Okay, in Roman numerals, all right. So the Decapolis was 10, polis is city. Teach you, again, Greek, give you a little Greek here. All right, so Decapolis meant the 10 cities, and so Jesus went around, those, or this man, went around those 10 cities or he had friends in all those little towns, and he told everybody what Jesus had done. Later, Jesus came through that region and had a great reception and, and, and great results, I believe, because that man had gone and told his story. Amen. Hallelujah. So share your story. Tell others what Jesus has done for you, how he's had compassion on you. And then number three, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Matthew five fourteen. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill. Hmm, that sounds like a good name for a church. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. It does what? It gives light to all who are in the house. And then he looked at them and said, let your light. Let your light so shine before men. 
See, when we let our light shine, it gives light to all the people that are in the house, all the people that are around us, all the people that we come in contact with. Let your light so shine before men. So what is my light? Well, he tells us right here that they may see your good works. That's your light. Your light, that's your good works. Praise God. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. We can all do that. We can all let our light shine. Praise God. Amen. Uh, people should see the difference. Every, uh, almost every Friday night, I go to uh, get pizza at Domino's, the one on, on Atlanta Road here, just, just south of the Dairy Queen. Uh, they're on Atlanta Road. That's the one that's close to my house. And uh, almost every Friday night, usually my, uh, some of my family's over, and, uh, and, we, and we get, I go pick up pizza there. And I always, I don't have them delivered. I just go, it's convenient. I just go and pick it up. And uh, the lady that kind of runs it now, I don't know if she's in charge or not, but she should be if she's not because she's making everything run right. And uh, she, uh, she knows me by name now. She's recognized. She said, she said, the reason I remember your name is because you're always so patient with us. And, well, she really put me in a bad place on Friday night. Because on the board there, it tells you when you're, if you, you order, I order it online and then I go pick it up. And uh, it, so, that, so you get on the board there, and, uh, and I was one to five minutes away. Your pizza will be ready one to five minutes. I stayed stuck at one to five minutes for about 20 minutes. Oh. <laughs> one to five. Oh but I couldn't complain because she'd, she'd already said, I remember you. It's David, David Harris, right? I remember. The reason I remember you, you're always so patient with us. Hallelujah. Let your light shine. Amen. Show kindness. Even when you don't want to, right? Amen. Be kind to people. Be patient with people. Let your light shine. That's the way that we can, that's the way that we can tell people. That's the way that we can let people know about this good news. There must be something in you. There must be something about this guy. You know, why is he able to be so kind? Amen. Praise God. I'm setting her up. Hallelujah. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. People should see a difference in the way that we live and the way that we talk and in the way that we treat others. People should see that. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And then number four, finally, and Reed, are you still around? Oh, okay. We're going to have, we're going to have uh, music. Okay, that'd be great. Um, Number four, finally, the simple gospel and the plan of salvation. We should all be familiar with this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. This means, this is in the New Living. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. Did you get that? God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. I thought Jesus did that. Well, He did. 
But somebody has to tell them. Somebody has to let them know. Somebody has to show them and tell them. And we, as Barbara says, not got to, get to. Get to. Hallelujah. What a privilege. The New King James calls it, and the King James calls it, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. But it's a task. He's given us this task of reconciling people back to him. How do we do that? Well, for God, verse 19, for God, God did it. We just have to tell about it. Here's what God did. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. It is, isn't it? It is a wonderful message of reconciliation. We can tell people God's not mad at you. God's not holding your sin against you. Now, he will punish sin one day, and that, and, and that sin will separate you from God, but, but, but God's already done something about it, and if you'll trust him, if you'll call on him, Jesus can set you free. You can be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Verse 20. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Think about that. God is making an appeal to the world, to the unsaved, through us. If we keep silent, that appeal doesn't get made. Amen? God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Hallelujah. That's our, that's our message. That's the good news. That's too good not to share. And then the book of Romans, the plan of salvation. We should all know this. We should all know this. I would encourage you to write these verses down if you don't have them written down somewhere. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's how you can lead someone to Jesus. Tell them this right here. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What that means is we all need a Savior. We all need to save. You can't save yourself. We all need a Savior. We've all sinned, and we fall short of God's glory, God's standard. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. Our sin separates us from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We've all sinned. Our sin separates us from God. But God gave us a gift. He gave us the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Why did he do what he did? Why did God do it? Out of love, Romans 5, 8. I threw this one in. It's not, it's not essential. That's essential for the Bible. It's essential to know this, but it's not essential to be able to lead someone to the Lord, but it's, it's, I'm going to throw it in. God demonstrates his own love toward us. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
God did it because he loved us. He didn't leave us in our hopeless condition. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And then Romans 10. This is how you can close the deal. Lead someone to Jesus. That if you confess, tell them. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Wait a minute. You mean I don't have to join your church? No. Wait a minute. You mean I don't have to uh, memorize a bunch of stuff? No. You just do this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13. For whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on him. Call on his name and you'll be saved. Hallelujah. That's the simple in four, five verses there. Um, That you can lead someone to Jesus. Amen. This is a day of good news. And if we remain silent, if we keep these blessings and this life hidden, we're not doing right. Let's do right by our generation. Let's let God make his appeal through us. Come back to God. Come back to God. Hallelujah. God's pouring out his spirit right now. He sends, the Bible says he sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. And in in the book of James, James says the father is waiting. He said, be patient, brethren, till the coming of the Lord, because the farmer's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. That's souls. That's, That's the harvest. God calls it his precious fruit. People. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, and he's waiting till it receives the early and the latter rain. That rain's falling. God is pouring out his spirit. And so our part then is to go in. What does that do? That softens the ground, that softens the heart. And so we get to go in then with the good news and reap the harvest. Amen. Hallelujah. In some cases, we're planting the seed, in other cases, we're reaping the harvest. But let's go and tell us it's it's good news. It's a day of good news. And we can't be silent. Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and praise you for your word today. Lord, I thank you that your word has gone forth as good seed into good ground as we already pray. And Father, I pray right now if there's anybody here in this room. That, that was sitting there and, and, and realizes, hey, they're, they're on the other side of this thing. They've never, they've never come into your family yet. They've never invited you in. Well, Lord, I know they've heard what they need to do, so I pray that your Holy Spirit would just draw them right now in the name of Jesus.